I said good morning. How you doing? Good to see you. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor, one associate pastor here, pastor of Encounter. I'm grateful uh, to see everyone here this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about the battle over my identity, but I want to share a story real quick with you before we get started. You know, I lived in New York City. I lived right outside Chicago. I lived right outside Los Angeles for a, a while. I've seen everything almost everything. And I've been to a lot of great things, but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the greatest show on earth that you'll ever, ever witness and be a part of without a doubt is to go to a New York City Italian wedding. (laughs) There's nothing like going to a New York City Italian wedding because you're going to see some crazy stuff. You're going to see loud talking, shouting, music, great food, dancing, an argument, a riot, a fight. Something is going to happen at a New York crazy Italian wedding. And every time that me and Carolyn have attended one, we've attended many, uh, we come out with saying, did that just happen? And it gives me a lot of sermon material. For, in- for example, <laughs> we went up to my cousin, Michelle, uh, was, was getting ready, was marrying Ricardo, just a wonderful man. And they got, they got married, and they were getting married in the Catholic Church. And it was a beautiful ceremony. And uh, during the ceremony, the priest kept calling Ricardo Eduardo. The whole ceremony. And I said it once. I looked at Carol and I said, did you catch that? Called him Eduardo. And he kept on saying, here we have Michelle and Eduardo. Everyone's laughing because no one could believe the guy, the priest has got the groom's name wrong. Finally, Ricardo had enough. He stops him in the middle of his wedding ceremony in this mass. You know, it's got, it's got to be a mass. And he stops him. He says, my name is Ricardo. The priest looked at him, looked at him and said, that's Okay. I call you Eduardo. (laughs) Who does that? Who does that? There I have sermon material. Now listen, it's not a big deal to get a name wrong, but it is a big deal to get your identity wrong, to get it robbed and compromised. And how you introduce yourself to others will actually tell you what you believe about your identity. And I want to help you introduce yourself to others differently. I don't want you introducing yourself by what you do, what's been done to you, what your vocation is. My identity is I'm not a pastor. My identity is I'm a king's kid. I'm a child of God. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm free in Jesus' name. That's who I am. And so I want want today's talk to help you discover or get your identity reinstated I'm not sure if you know this, most of you do, there's an outright war to destroy, confuse, rob, and distort, and steal your identity in Christ. From the womb to the tomb, your life and identity has been and is still under attack and will be until the day you die. Seeing yourself as God sees you and calling yourself who the Bible says you are may sound simplistic, But most in the body of Christ miss it. Most in the body of Christ will spend an entire lifetime trying to become somebody they already are. When they can believe and receive who they are in Christ. And I'm going to remind you today, this morning, 
from the truth of God's word, some identity titles that you and I inherited when we were born again. This is who you are. This is how God sees you. This is what he calls you. But I want to give a disclaimer. I can only scratch the surface and don't have time to dig in deep on each of these identity facts of who we are in Christ. We would be here till tomorrow. Can you stay till tomorrow? No. Um, So here's what I'm going to do. When Encounter resumes for a special night of worship on August 18th, I'm going to do part two of this message. And then in the fall, when we resume in September, every Encounter event this fall will be a continuation of this message all the way through Christmas. And every child, every teen, every family, every person needs to be there. And here's why. Encounter will be hosting the most freeing deliverance ministry events restoring lost and stolen identities all fall. I hope you'll be there. And if you get what we're going to learn this morning in your spirit and live it out, it's a game changer. And it will set you free because when the Son of God sets you free, you are what? Ah, you're up this morning. I had five espresso shots. I'm rolling. Let's talk about the spiritual side of things. The devil is obsessed when a child is conceived. Because the last thing he wants for a child is to be born. And then once that child is born, to live for Jesus Christ. And he fights tooth and nail. He's always after the seed of Christ. He has been. For generations. Go back to the story of Christmas when Jesus came on the scene. Herod was trying to kill him. And then he sends out a decree that all the boys two and under have to die. Well, that story is being played out today because since 1973, more than 60 million abortions have happened just in the United States. That's just legal abortions, not illegal abortions. Just in the United States. You see, if he can't kill them in the womb, he'll destroy them on the way to the tomb. And all he has to do, you ready? Just one thing. Make you miss your identity in Christ. Millions of people are walking around trying to be someone other than who God created them to be. Five people got that. (laughs) And frankly, it's just sad to see. Satan spends most of his time taking what God created, which is you, for good. And he perverts it, distorts it, he hurts it. Ultimately, he tries to destroy it. And if he can destroy what God intended for you to be, he has succeeded in creating an identity crisis that will eventually destroy your life. Let's talk about the how-to. The devil uses hurts, pain, conflict in your life to destroy your identity. Because here's the deal. If he can get you to be resentful, if he can get you to stay bitter, if he can get you overwhelmed with guilt, shame, regrets, and disappointments in life, if he can create an environment where you're rejected, abused, abandoned, cast out, and unloved, then what will happen is you'll take any counterfeit love that comes your way. And a lot of people think, That because they have a certain tendency 
a certain lust, a certain attraction, a certain fault, a certain habit, a certain coping mechanism, then that's who they are. And that's how Satan deceives us and keeps us stuck. He sort of takes it to another level because our identity gets messed up because we've identified ourselves with a particular behavior, a way of acting, thinking, attracting, desiring, responding. And we confuse that with who we are. Well, it's just like me to be this way. You see, unresolved issues always resurface in some form of compulsion and or character defects. They always do. And as a result, it's designed to give you a distorted view of who God is and his love for you and who he calls you. And when you live with those character defects for a long time, it's easy to confuse your defects with your identity. I'll give you a few examples. Hi, my name is victim. My name is abandoned. My name is abused. My name is unloved. My name is pain that never goes away. My name is anxiety. My name is insecurity. My name is worry. My name is gay. My name is transgender. My name is addiction. My name is unfaithful. My name is sinner. And hundreds of other identity titles that we allow the enemy to dupe us into thinking that that is who we are. But I want to tell you today, this morning, we are not our sins. We are not our strongholds. We are not our addictions. We are not our mental illness. We are not our problems. We are not our medical diagnosis. But the moment we call ourselves by those things, we lose sight of who we really are. And by doing so, we create an identity crisis. You see, here's what happens. Satan is trying to get you to form a mindset from those arguments and pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. But we're called to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ as we know and understand our identity in Christ. It's just a mindset of lies. And God is pleading with you. He's imploring you to embrace biblical truth-aligned beliefs as a mindset that helps you move towards a set of outcomes that line up with God's perfect will for your life. A will full of blessing, full of hope, full of freedom. You see, Satan's not alone in this. He's got the world in his pocket. He's got the world and its value system in his pocket. And those entities are working together to throw destructive talking points, words and thoughts to make you believe that you are not accepted, you are not secure, and you are not significant in Christ. If you don't feel like calling yourself a boy, call yourself a girl. Call yourself whatever you think you are. I'm a cat today. I'm a dog. I'm this. I'm that. Parents, watch this, are setting up children to have an identity crisis by rejecting the truth of God, believing their feelings and predispositions, and not letting them be who God created them to be. Certain teachers, not all teachers, are no longer educators but indoctrinators. And they are indoctrinating children right here in our community, starting with infants, with a gender ideology straight from the pit of hell, 
designed to confuse, rob, and wipe out their identity in Christ because the devil hates the seed of Christ. He hates it when, you find, when a child finds out that they are loved by God. And the enemy makes us believe that our identity is found by what we do, what we don't do, and what's been done to us. But according to Scripture, when you were saved and born again, a real transaction took place. You were made new. You were forgiven. You were given a new nature. You now have a new identity. You're a different person. You're no longer the same. You may not feel different, but you are different. You may not feel forgiven, but you are forgiven. You are born again and no longer defined by what you do, what you did, and what's been done to you. You are now defined by whom God calls you, period. That's it. And God calls you somebody different than who you call yourself most of the time. And God's desire is for us to walk in that new identity and see ourselves as he sees us. You know, whenever I counsel someone in my office somewhere, wherever it is, I always ask them this million-dollar question. How do you think God sees you? And their answer will tell me what they believe about their identity in Christ. Now listen. Like I said earlier, God doesn't want you to live the rest of your life trying to become somebody you already are when you can know and discover and believe by faith that you are who he calls you to be. You're what the Bible tells you you are. And if you don't know who you are, you'll never know what true healing and deliverance looks like. Deliverance never happens until you understand your identity in Christ and until you get a stolen or lost identity reinstated. And that's what the Lord is going to do this morning. No one's walking out of here with a stolen identity. No one's walking out of here with their identity robbed. You're going to walk out of here as a child of the king because that is who you are. See, the world will tell you to follow your feelings. Feelings. God tells you to follow him through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the word. The world will tell you that you're born, there's a lie, a certain way opposite of God's creation and plan for your life. It's one of the biggest lies going around the world today. But God said he knew you before you were born and personally handcrafted you into existence, made into the image of God. And when God made you, he said, now that is good. When God made my wife, he blushed. You know he did. Your parents may have identified you as a mistake or that you weren't planned. But God said, I determined when you would be born. And I took the time to write out a plan for your life filled with hope, filled with a future, for you to live under the names and titles that I have ordained for you so that you can walk in freedom and be blessed by me all the days of your life. Listen to the world. You won't have a clue to who you are. Listen to your feelings, emotions, and attractions, predispositions, and desires. You'll never know who you are. Now listen, this is so important. If you study the life of Jesus, you could easily summarize his life on earth by these three statements. One, Jesus knew his identity. He would introduce himself hardly ever by the name of Jesus, but he would make a bunch of I am statements. He would say, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the good shepherd. 
I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the light of the world. And let's not forget the identity statement that sent the religious into a frenzy when they asked him if he was the son of God. And he said, I am. That made them cray-cray. <laughs> Two, he knew his purpose. Now, I can give you a long definition and a lot of things of what his purpose was, but simply, he came to save us from our sins. Not to save us from ourselves, he came to save us from our sins so that we can spend an eternity in heaven, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And he also, Jesus knew his destiny. He knew his identity, he knew his purpose, and he knew his destiny. He knew the cross was his destiny. He knew the grave was his destiny. He knew that defeating sin and death was his destiny and that he would come back again. And until so, he's praying for us and preparing a place for us in heaven. But I can't wait till he comes back. And he is coming back. Not to die again, but victoriously. So, so here's the deal. About, why do I say that about Jesus? Why is it important to look at the life of Jesus? Because here's, here's the deal. Jesus' identity was attacked and mocked from the moment he began his ministry to the moment he breathed his last breath. And if the identity of Jesus is attacked and mocked, your identity is going to be attacked and mocked. For example, in Matthew 4, 3, it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Notice that the temptation is not about trying to get Jesus to do what the devil wants him to do. The devil's smarter than that. He knew, he knew that Jesus wasn't going to give in to his temptations. But, he knew, but he, what he tried to do was he thought maybe for one split second, he can get Jesus to take his eye off his identity and then he would miss his purpose, which was to destroy him. Then he would win. But Jesus never gave in. Jesus never lost sight of his identity. The barrage kept coming. If you are the son of God, notice the dig on his identity. Throw yourself down. Fast forward to when he's on the cross, Luke 23, 35. The people stood watching and the rulers even snared at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah. If you are who you say you are, the chosen one. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, but he didn't sin because he knew who he was. He knew his identity. He knew what his purpose was, and he knew where he was headed. And if he can make you doubt for one split second who you are, that's all he has to do. You'll never find your purpose to destroy the works of the enemy and to live a victorious life under the names and titles that God has ordained for you. Defeated Christians typically have two things in common. They don't know who they are in Christ, and they don't understand what it means to be a child of God. So here's what we're going to do. The following are identity, biblical, true statements straight from the Word of God. These aren't ideas. 
I'm not smart enough to come at any of this. They're, they're biblical statements about who we are in Christ. That you need to declare over your life. Because this is who you are. This is how God sees you. Now listen, this first one is so important. Because if we don't get this identity in our spirits as who we are and what we're supposed to do, once we're born again, the rest of all these identity statements will never make sense to us. We'll struggle and we'll go back and forth listening to other voices, our feelings, to what the world says, and we'll never know and walk in our true identity in Christ. So here's the first identity of who you are in Christ. Are you ready? In Christ, I am dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're de- We're all dead in Christ. And here's what I mean. Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. So the life of a Christian, our identity is to realize, believe, and receive what Jesus did And our only natural response is once we're saved from our dead life is to be resurrected and live the crucified life in Christ, dying to ourselves, forsaking our old life, never going back there again, and declare that we are dead to ourselves, dead to sin, but alive in Christ. You'll never be alive. You'll never walk free until you declare that you are dead. The Apostle Paul also said in Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Catch that? I don't live. No longer I who live. I'm dead. Dead, dead, dead. But Christ lives in me. So I live, this is how I live now that I'm dead, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 2.13, when you were dead, when you were really dead, in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. You're alive in Christ, but dead to sin, dead to your old life, dead to self. See, when I come to Christ, here's what that means. I don't play games with him. I give Christ everything. I heard Carter Collin talking about this, great preacher. He said this, the blood of Jesus purchased me, and my life was no longer my own. And before my future could change, I had to give my right to my future into the hands of God. You don't control your future anymore. If you do, you're playing God instead of submitting to God. I no longer, he said, I don't know, I no longer had a right to my life, my body, my future, my purpose, and my destiny. That ministered to me so much because it reminded me of when I gave my life to Jesus. That glorious night and the next morning, I'll never forget, I'm always talking about it. You see, that night, I heard the voice of God as clear as I've ever heard the voice of God. And I discovered several facts that night. I discovered the, my identity, that I was loved, forgiven, and saved. It was as if God that night, through my wife, introducing me to Jesus, and I accepted Jesus. It was as if he was stamping his identity right on me, like, bam, you're loved. You're forgiven. You're saved. You're born again. I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't really, you know, feel much, as they say. 
You know, I didn't get the goosies, whatever it is. You know, I didn't, I, it wasn't like an emotional experience for me. It was just a dramatic encounter that I had with God. It really was dramatic. It was like a road to Damascus experience. Uh, because realistically, the Holy Spirit was running the whole show, and I was just in shock, joyfully, a joyful shock. But I got to tell you this. When I woke up the next morning, I woke up different. I woke up a new person. I woke up a new creation in Christ. I woke up, something changed. There was something different about me. There was something different about the inside of me. Someone was there that wasn't there before. You know who that is? The Holy Spirit. I knew I woke up with the Holy Spirit. I knew I woke up new. I knew I woke up with joy and expectant faith that I wasn't going to live I wasn't going to live in my old life, but I was going to live and walk in the new man, that I was a new creation in Christ. Now, I want to encourage you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a tremendous message just on I am dead in Christ as my identity by Susan Petrie, uh, Jim Cimbala from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. His daughter gave that message. You can look at it on their website. Uh, her message, and it was just a powerful message. And that inspired me uh, to give this first part uh, of who we are in the battle over our identity, that we are dead. And I might as well be the first one to tell you that her daddy, Jim Simbler, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, is coming here on November 8th and 9th as a special guest, and he's going to minister to us. And uh, so I'm real blessed that that's going to happen. So listen, my identity is... I'm dead, but I'm alive in Christ. Just like we sang earlier. Wasn't that a great song? It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. For I've been born again, my heart is free. The hope of heaven before me, the grave behind. Hallelujah! You brought me back to life. Anybody grateful that God has brought you back to life? Oh, no, I haven't even gotten started yet. Uh, I I need another espresso shot. Okay. Number two, my identity in Christ. You ready? This is a big one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I want it to sink in. I'm going to spend the whole night on this in the fall. I am a house of prayer. Stay with me on this because you're probably having a hard time figuring out how is that my identity? Well, when you're saved and born again, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, don't you know that you yourselves are, this is who you are, God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. The Bible says you are. In other words, it's an identity statement. You are God's temple. So when you're born again, you're called God's temple. What did Jesus say about his temple? He said, my father's house will be called a house, a prayer for all nations. Are you a house of prayer? That's your identity. Now listen, the purpose of prayer is to grow your relationship with your father. That's the purpose. You have a lot of reasons to pray. The reason why you are a house of prayer is so that you can get closer to God, so that you can spend time in God's presence, so that you can call on God, you can pray to God, you can wait on God, you can listen to God because you are a house of prayer. And when you're born again, When Jesus made these identity statements, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody 
comes to the Father except through me. And if you believe in me, receive me as your Lord and Savior because you are forgiven, because you are a house of prayer, your prayers can get to the Father. And you can grow your relationship with the Father. Prayer is everything. We're, we're going to talk more about that. It's all, it's all you get this morning. Now, the next three identity titles are huge because they're three basic God-given desires of every person. And when we look for anyone, anything, even ourselves and our individual accomplishments to fulfill these needs, other than what the Bible says about where we find, here are the three things, acceptance, security, and significance, we'll have an identity crisis that many of us will never recover from. So many of you know this, but I've been talking about it already this morning. Some of the most common phrases in the New Testament are in Christ, in him, through him, we have, and you are. And whenever you see a scripture that is prefaced by in Christ, in him, through him, we have, and you are, whatever comes next is an identity statement and fact about who you are and how God sees you and how God calls you in Christ. And there are hundred, there's actually close to 140 of these scriptures that validate who we are in Christ and that we're accepted, secure, and significant. You see, anytime you see one of those scriptures, your real identity is getting revealed. So your next identity statement that you have to declare over yourself and this is a hard one for people in the church, is that I am accepted. I am accepted. It blows my mind how many people don't feel that they're accepted by God, that they're not loved by God, but you are. That's a lie. And your identity is that you're accepted. You see, and Satan wants to steal your identity. So he says things like, God will never accept someone like you. And he screams the words, you're not accepted, over and over to you in a variety of different ways. So here are some identity statements, some of them paraphrased, to talk about how in Christ we are accepted. John 1, 12, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm God's child. John 15, 15, I'm a friend of God. Romans 5, 1, I'm justified before God. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I am a new creation and made new. Ephesians 1, 1, I am a saint. Oh, time out. Got to take time out. Got to take a time out here. Got to stop right there. I am a saint. Okay, listen. A couple of things that you need to know. Uh, I love the recovery world. I love them. I, I simply, I'm, I'm attracted to broken people. And one of the most egregious things that I see in recovery is for an organization or a group of people to get someone in recovery to introduce themselves by their addiction or their sin. And they say that's the first step to freedom by introducing yourself to the thing that keeps you stuck, to the thing that's brought you down. Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a drug addict. Hi, my name is, you know, Mary, and I'm, and I'm an alcoholic. Listen, that is so wrong. I got, I got my friends from Revive here. My friends from Revive, that's right. My boys from Revive are here. They know who they are in Christ, okay? They don't call themselves, they don't call themselves addicts. They call themselves children of God. 
They call themselves free. They call themselves accepted. They don't call themselves by their sins and their strongholds. They've overcome that by the blood of Jesus. That's why they love encounter. That's why I love them. Oh, oh no, you're not, you're not getting off that easy. People in the church do the same thing. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Like a rooster, just a sinner saved by grace. You know, let me tell you something. You are not a sinner. You were a sinner. You're now a saint who still needs God's grace because you over there really need God's grace. And who still sins. But you're, you're not a sinner. A sinner is an unbeliever. Yet Christians are saying, I'm just a sinner. You know you're not. You were a sinner. Now you're a saint who still needs God's grace. Do you, do you get that? Do not call yourself a sinner anymore. I'll put you in double secret probation if you do. <laughs> Ephesians 1.4, I am holy. I'm blameless. Colossians 1.14, I'm redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 2.10, I'm complete in Christ. So come on now. Repeat after me. I'm a child of God. Come on. All you got to do is conviction. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a saint. I'm a new creation. I have his name. I have his life. I am forgiven. I am holy. Blameless. Justified. I am complete. And I am accepted. That is who you are. My one and a half inch vertical leap right there. That's where you start. Your identity starts. I'm dead. I'm a house of prayer. And I'm accepted. I'm accepted. Next one is I'm secure. It's a big one too. Boy, he's, he, the devil screams things in, in your ear that you're not secure in a variety of different ways. But scripture paints a different picture. Romans 8, 1 says, I'm free from condemnation. Romans 8, 33, I'm free from any condemning charges against me. Romans 8, 39, I cannot be separated from the love of God. 2 Corinthians 1, I'm established, I'm anointed and sealed by God. Colossians 3, 3, I'm hidden with Christ in God. Philippians 3, 20, I am a citizen of heaven. Repeat after me. I'm free from condemnation. I'm free from condemning voices. I'm free from guilt and shame. I have access to God. Have authority with God. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm hidden in Christ. I'm protected in Christ. I'm a king's kid. I'm a citizen of heaven. And I am secure in Christ. And that is who you are. Listen, your security is found in Christ and Christ alone. Your security is not found in your career, your marriage, your ministry, certainly not from someone else. Your security is found in your identity in Christ. Number five, I am significant. This is big. And you know, the devil's always screaming things that you're not significant over and over to you. You're never going to amount to anything. You're flat out worthless. Your prayers aren't getting answered. Who do you think you are that you can pray to a holy God when you live that way or think that way? You know, he's whispering all these lies to us 
all the time. And significance is a big thing because we always want our, our life to count for something. But scripture paints a different story. Matthew 5 says, verse 13 and 14, I am the salt and light of the earth. John 15, 1 and 5 says, I am a branch of the true vine and a channel of his life. John 15, 16, I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit that will last. Acts 1, 8, I'm a personal witness of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, I am God's temple. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, I am a minister of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, I am God's co-worker. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, I am an ambassador for Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 9, I am chosen a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and I belong to God. Ephesians 2, 6, I'm seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. He told me to put my feet up on a footstool while he annihilates my enemies. Some of us are just not sitting with Jesus with our feet up. That's the problem. Ephesians 2, 10, this is a big one. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's workmanship, which he created in advance to do good works that he planned for us. Oh, turn to the person next to you, or someone near you and say, you are God's masterpiece. Repeat after me. I'm a channel of his life. I'm chosen and appointed to bear good fruit. I'm a personal witness of Jesus Christ. I'm God's temple. I am a house of prayer. I am a minister of reconciliation. I am an ambassador for Christ. I'm a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy generation. I belong to God. I'm seated with Christ. I am God's masterpiece. And I am significant in Christ. And that is who you are. Doesn't matter what your parents told you, doesn't matter what another pastor told you, doesn't matter what your husband or wife told you, boyfriend, girlfriend, sister, boss, teacher, kids you went to school with told you, doesn't matter if you grew up in a holler or hollering at people, you are somebody who's significant in Christ. That's who you are. Number six, I am forgiven. This is a big one. I'm forgiven. When was the last time you walked up to someone, someone says, who are you? I'm forgiven. I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm a king's kid. I'm forgiven. You want to mess with somebody or lead them to Christ at the same time? That's, that's the way to witness to people. Listen, when you were born again, what happened? You were forgiven. You weren't born again to save yourself. You were born again to save yourself from your sins. Jesus came to save us from our sins. When we celebrate Easter, Easter, what do we say? He is what? We say he is risen so that we can declare to a lost world, because he's risen, therefore I am forgiven. And here's the sad fact. Most of us don't see that as our identity. We wonder if we're forgiven. We wonder if God has really forgiven us of the things that we did, never mind 20 years ago, just this week. But 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he is 
faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And one of our identity statements is we are the righteousness of Christ. So why is it important to declare that you are forgiven? So you don't open a door or keep the door open to guilt and shame. And those that struggle with their identity are passing out invitations every day for guilt and shame to come to your party. And the devil loves it when that happens. You see, guilt will always say, I've done something wrong. And guilt has a purpose, to lead you to the cross. But if you don't go to the cross with it, it'll, it'll stick around long enough and it'll, it turns into shame, which convinces you that you are something wrong. And now your identity is really messed up. So the key is the starting point of who you are in Christ and that I am forgiven. You're forgiven of things you did yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Because you can't get into heaven unless you're forgiven. And Christ declares you forgiven. Amen? Because that's who you are. Okay, number seven. This is a big one. I am an ambassador for Christ. Hmm. Turn to the person next to you and say, I never, never thought you were an ambassador. Listen. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 20 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is. The old is gone, the new has come. That's the transaction. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Here it is. Not counting people's sins against them. You are forgiven. And he has committed to us. See, salvation always comes with a responsibility. The message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, so here comes an identity statement about who we are, Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. See, the new is here, and guess what? You are it. Voila. You're it. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not only are you made new, not only do you know your your identity, you now have a clearly defined purpose. You now have a ministry. I get people come up to me, I I, I want a ministry. Well, we've all been given a ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. And here's what that means. You are to live a life so deeply committed to Jesus that others in your sphere of influence will want to be reconciled to God. That's how deeply committed you are to live your life. And that's why you're given the title of ambassador. Because that's how an ambassador of Christ lives. Number eight, I am a child of God. I, am, I, I love that title. I'm a child of God. First John 1 John 1.12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, of human decision, a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, we're not children of God until we're born again, until we, we believe and receive him. We don't get these identity titles. We don't get the title of I'm forgiven. We don't get the title of I'm a citizen of heaven until we get this one. We realize that when we're forgiven and Jesus comes into our lives, saves us, becomes our Lord and Savior, that he declares us a child of God, a king's kid, royalty, part of a royal family, a rich family. I love this one, 1 John 3, 1. How great 
is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It's hard to see ourselves when the enemy is having a heyday beating us down to see ourselves every... You know, I wake up every day so grateful that I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I'm a child of God. That just makes my day. Me and my derby, my dog, we walk through Versailles praying with joy. Doesn't matter. We almost get hit run by cars because we're just, we're just real happy. We don't see what's going around. I'm just that, listen, no one's going to steal my joy because that's part of my identity. That's why the Bible tells us, be joyful. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's part of our identity. And it's the will of Christ Jesus for our lives. Number nine, I am loved. That's another one that's a hard one. I'm lo- you're, and listen, people may not love you, but God loves you. And God's never stopped loving you. People may have stopped loving you, but God has never stopped loving you. God has never forsaken you. God has loved you from the beginning. He loves you today, and he'll love you tomorrow. He's always loved you. Ephesians 2, 4 says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, catch that? Because of his great love for us. God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And number 10, In Christ, I am free. I'm free. Worship team, you can start making your way, please. This is a big one. If you put on your identity cap every day by putting on the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16, then the mind of Christ reminds you of all these identity statements. And in Christ, because of Christ... I am free. The identity of the dead person that obeys God at all costs, who lives the crucified life because he understands the finished work of Christ, is I am a disciple. You see, in the kingdom, you are identified as a disciple if you live the consecrated life of obedience to demonstrate to Jesus that you love him by obeying him. Listen. The identity of a dead person is that they live that consecrated life of radical obedience, trusting in the finished work of Christ, therefore living the crucified life of Christ. We teach this at Encounter all the time. You'll never live the crucified, the I am dead life until you understand all that Jesus did for you, respond to it, and live the rest of your life out of gratitude as the motive for why you obey him, because that's fueled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you obey God out of obligation, that's the law. That means you don't understand the finished work of Christ. That means you're trying to do what Christ has already done, and you'll wear yourself out trying to accomplish somebody something that Christ already finished, where he said it is finished, paid in full. It's called playing God. Put you right back to the garden. So when we understand what Jesus did and we receive that, our only natural response is gratitude and obedience. To love Jesus back, because Jesus said to love me is to obey me. And then when we decide to do that, heaven declares us disciples. Disciples. Jesus put it this way when he was a conversation, when he had a conversation to the Jews who had actually believed in him. He said, if you hold to my teaching, 
which is what I just explained. Radically obey God at all costs, no matter what the, no matter what the circumstance, what the consequence. If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. You are. Now watch this. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you are what? Now watch this. If you don't embrace discipleship as the pathway to healing, deliverance, and your identity, the truth will make you miserable and not free. This is how the truth actually sets you free. Ain't no pill, ain't no program, ain't no doctor going to do what Jesus can do. Listen, folks, I'm a free person, set free from the bondage of sin, shame, lies, my past, my guilt, my regrets, my doubts, fears, insecurities, character defects, lies, tactics of the enemy, and anything or anyone else that opposes the truth of who I am in Christ. I'm a, I'm a king's kid. I'm a child of the one true king, and my, he, my father in heaven is bunkers about me. That's who I am in Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm highly favored. I'm a royal priesthood. I once was not a person, but now I am a person. I once was not forgiven, but now I am forgiven. I now I am a person of God. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. Listen, you can believe you are what the world calls you. You can believe what the enemy calls you. You can believe you are what your pain problems, character defects, sins, and strongholds call you. You can believe what your feelings, attractions, lusts, temptations, and desires call you. Or you can simply believe you are who God calls you. The remedy. Listen, you can walk out of here knowing these three things. You can know your identity, you can know your purpose, and you can know your destiny. The remedy for the confusion is real simple. So simple that most of us miss it. Believe who God says he is and believe who God says you are. It really is that simple. I'm loved, I'm free, and I'm a child of God. I couldn't think of a perfect transition into communion. Now, if you have the elements. Now, this didn't happen in the first service. But I believe this is going to be a holy moment. I know it's a holy moment. It was the first service. But I felt that there weren't enough identities being restored and reinstated. And I don't want anybody walking out of here without their identity being restored and reinstated. Now, to become a new creation in Christ, you have to be born again. To become a child of God, you have to be born again. And that gives us access to God. Gives us access to heaven. And so, we're going to take communion together. But I want to start with an altar call. If you've had your identity robbed stolen, and you're not sure where you stand in Christ, you should get out of your seat and you should flood this altar and say, I want to leave here knowing that I'm a child of God. I want to leave here knowing that I'm saved, that I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, secure, I'm going to heaven, my sins are forgiven. If that's you, you can start making your way here. We're going to take communion together. You can start making your way here. And when you have the elements, keep coming, keep coming. We're going to stay. I want you to stay in his presence from now to, to the end of the service.
There'll be people that'll pray for you. You see, the body of Jesus reminds us of what he did so that we can declare who we are in Christ. So when we take that piece of bread, we are reminded that he died and was beaten so that we can declare our freedom in Christ and our identity in Christ. And when we drink the juice, the blood reminds us that we're forgiven with all our guilt and shame washed away. We're reminded that he purchased us and that now our future is in his hands and that he forgave us and that all our sins are washed away. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ before we take communion together, now's your opportunity to do so. You can do so kneeling in the front. You can do so in the, sitting in your seat. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I'm so sorry for not believing what you said about who I am. I reject those lies today and I turn from those lies and my sins and I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. Forgive me. Come into my life and receive me into your kingdom. Thank you for forgiving me and thank you for making me a child of the one true king. So let's take the bread together. And remember what Jesus did. Let's take the juice that represents the blood that set us free. Here's how we're going to close the service. One, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. One of the ways that I've studied scripture is I find these identity statements... whenever I find one I study it and then I personalize it and then I put my name in it and I declare it over myself as who I am I've done that for three I want you to do that with the hundred, with the hundred plus other ones found in the, in the New Testament so let's declare this out loud together with conviction as far as who we are in Christ. The first one is 1 Peter 2.9. Are you ready? It's up on the screen. Say this out loud. Go ahead. But. John 8.36. Come on with more conviction. Say, say it like you mean it. First John 1 John 1.3, more conviction. Do you believe this? If your identity has been stolen, robbed, confused, distorted, attacked, ridiculed, mobbed, hijacked, 
God wants to restore stolen identities this morning. And as we declare this identity truth in this last worship song, I want you to sing it as a prayer, just like you prayed those scriptures over your life. I want you to worship like you've never worshiped before. But I also want you to ask people to pray for you, to have that lost or stolen identity reinstated so that you walk out of here knowing that you are a child of God. Let's stand up. Let's worship.
Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Pray this one last declaration with me. Say this. I believe that you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do. Thank you, Father, for being the faithful Father. I believe that I am who you say I am and I can do what you say I can do. I am a king's kid. I'm a child of God. I am loved. I'm accepted. Secure. Significant. I'm righteous. I'm forgiven. And I am loved. And I am free. Because the Son of God has set me free. In Jesus' name. Let's give God a shout of glory. That concludes our service. Uh, If you'd like to leave quietly, again, if you need someone to pray for you, for your identity to be reinstated, restored, clarified, come forward. Prayer team will spend time praying with you. Thank you for worshiping with us online and those of you here with us at Church of the Savior. God bless you. Give them heaven. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.